What's right isn't always popular. What's popular isn't always right. Howard Cosell. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome. We have another episode of Felonious Pundits. I'm your buddy, Kintad Svensgaard. And along with me is another one of your buddies. Please say hello to AJ Mass. Hello, 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 hello. It is I, AJ Mass. I'm very excited that uh, this episode that we're going to do today takes place in a town whose name is sort of me. Mass of Nutton Mountain. I'm a nutton. <laughs> Yes, I actually looked it up. It is an existing mountain in the Appalachians. It's a real, real place. So that's exciting. That's something to look forward to this week. Also, AJ, it's our 10th show already. What? Double digits. Pew, 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 pew. Can you imagine we have to get to triple digits? <laughs> <laughs> and then double back and then some, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. But we're doing it, folks. 10 weeks strong. They said it couldn't be done and... Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> there you go. So uh, we are the podcast that takes a look at an episode of Criminal Minds every week. We uh, recap it and take an in-depth look at it. And I will give you the perspective of someone who's never seen the show before. And uh, AJ is here to give you that uh, I'm an old-time fan, long-time fan perspective. So uh, he knows some of the surprises and secrets that are coming up, but he has promised not to spoil me. On said surprises. Uh, like Belinda Carlisle, my lips, they are sealed. My lips are sealed. Okay. This week, we are recapping season one, episode 10 of Criminal Minds. It's entitled The Popular Kids. And it uh, originally aired on November 30th, 2005. It was written by Edward Allen Bernero, uh, once again, who also wrote the episode Plain Sight which is interesting for, for a reason I'll get into later. Sure. But uh, he wrote that one that we watched about the uh, the women getting murdered and, and uh, their their eyes being taped open, if I you recall. Yes, I think we're going to definitely see a pattern with Mr. Vernero's scripts. <laughs> yes. And uh, this episode was directed by someone named Andy Woke. Good job, Andy Woke. You woke, Andy Woke. <laughs> he woke so he woke and he kept his eyes open it all comes together <laughs> <laughs> so uh as aj said we're gonna start off the show this week at massenton mountain which is in virginia and uh we see right away a young couple out for a jog in the woods the girl her name is cherish we will come to find out she is running out of breath and she's having trouble keeping up with her jogging mate. And she tells him, uh, his name is Adam. She tells him, you know what? Go ahead. I'll catch up. I got to sit here for a minute. He makes a crack about her being tired. And she's like, well, you tried doing three backflips and landing in splits. So apparently she's a cheerleader. Get that kind oh, of, is that what uh, you got vibe that? off of her. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a whole different show, AJ. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. No, I, I hear you there. Suddenly, yeah, suddenly uh, after he runs off, uh, it turns into a horror film. <laughs> yeah, she's alone, and, and we hear the creepy girl alone in the woods sounds. 
It's almost like a, a episode of Lost. I feel like there's ghostly whispers, but maybe I'm just I'm used to that when I'm seeing woods and and fast cuts, you know, looking all around. Maybe I'm imagining the whispers at this point because I've been <laughs> conditioned for that. Yeah, I, I will say this. This I don't know who this actress is. I didn't really look it up. You know, she doesn't have a very large role, uh, as we'll soon learn here in this episode. But boy, does she take uh, A plus grades. Uh, and by that, I mean F grades in acting that you're tying your shoe when you're not actually tying your shoe. <laughs> she pretends to tie her <laughs> shoe for a good three minutes in this scene. Yeah. Finally, she gets she gets spooked. She gets up. She starts, you know, just sort of running to catch up with her uh, boyfriend. Unfortunately, when she finally catches up to him, she sees that he's uh, laying on the ground, not moving. She investigates and starts screaming, oh, my God, wake up, Adam, Adam, wake up. Then we hear another cracking branch right behind her. She turns around and screams, but we don't see what happens. No, no, we do not see what happens. Instead, it's a nice dissolve to uh, the EMTs taking Adam's bloody body away. Oh, poor Adam, we hardly knew ye. Looks like, looks like though, there's an opening for quarterback on the high school team. <laughs> yeah, so the local police... Or the local sheriff's office is on the scene and they're removing Adam's body, as you said. Uh, we don't really see what happened to uh, Cherish at this moment, but we see them dragging off Adam's body. One of uh, our deputies, who for some reason made me think of Jordan Peele, but like skinny Jordan Peele, he kind of acted like Jordan Peele Absolutely. and he kind of looked like Jordan Peele. So I'm, I'm calling him De uh, Deputy Peele for the rest of the uh, <laughs> episode uh he looks down and he says the victim's the lloyd boy ain't he and he says it, it's kind of a it, it, it's reminded me of like jordan peele trying to do one of one of these type of scenes I, I, basically i totally with you there i thought movie. it myself i kept waiting for for, okay. for key to show up but he never did you know quotas <laughs> and all that but <laughs> the the uh, sheriff confirms that this is indeed adam lloyd uh, you get the vibe immediately. This is a small town. Everyone knows everyone. They continue to search the scene and a, a different cop calls the sheriff over uh, saying that he's found a skeleton, which happened to be bashed in the head, just like uh, Adam Lloyd was. But obviously it's a skeleton. So this happened. Yeah, it didn't happen this morning. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. At some other time. And uh, the other cop is wondering out loud if he should call the crime lab. And the sheriff is, is about to be like, yeah, go call the crime lab. But then immediately calls him back because after moving some branches, he's seen something that disturbs him. We don't get to see what it is yet. But he says, uh, we're going to need more than the crime. <laughs> oh, no. But we don't know what is, is up with that. Can we can we call that deputy the artist formerly known as Mouse Cop? <laughs> oh. <laughs> In honor of Jordan Peele there. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, I, that's going to be hard for me to remember. But I, I will... Think of it every time I say mouse cop. Okay, I like that. So now we cut to uh, BAU, and uh, Reed and Morgan are in the coffee room, and Reed is just pouring an excessive amount amount of uh, sugar into his coffee, and Morgan gives him that classic old line that I'm, I'm sure everybody's used at some point. Hey, you want you want some uh, coffee with your sugar? Which is, uh, you know, the common thing to say. Uh, Reed is apparently super tired. And uh, Morgan is like, my man. And I cheered when he <laughs> not, said that. Not only that, he says, my man. And 
Matthew Gray Gobler ba- breaks character for just just a second and actually laughs. It's it's, it's beautiful to see yeah. that. That's not Reed laughing. <laughs> that that is Matthew Gray Gobler going. No, no, that was a great read of that line, buddy. And then immediately pulls it back in. Yeah, it wasn't that kind of a late night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So because Morgan is Morgan. He's going to tease Reed a little bit here. So he said, let me guess what kept you up. Uh, Maybe you were memorizing some obscure textbook. No, you were working on Cold Fusion. That's it, Cold Fusion. Uh, Oh, wait, I've got it. You were watching uh, Star Trek and laughing at all the physics mistakes. Oh, boy. So I'm in Reed. (laughs) Reed. Reed says, well, actually, there were a surprisingly few amount of science mistakes in Star Trek. And then he just starts to get into it and go into it. I didn't write down all the text here. But Morgan is just staring at him at this point. It's very good. And actually, I I mean, you know, I mean, not for nothing, but I have to agree with Reed. I mean, the actual science on the show is actually pretty good. Uh, You know, I I, I agree with him. Uh, Did you happen to notice that Reed has his coffee mug, has his name on it in scotch tape on the top? There's, there's a little label that. on it that says Spencer Reed that's been taped on. Like, please don't take this cup. It is mine. It is so awful. Uh, <laughs> that is a beautiful detail I wish I noticed on my own. <laughs> that is awesome. So, yeah, uh, Reed is going to explain why he's so tired. And basically, it turns out he's been having nightmares. Lately, he's been getting them every night. And they're they're all about the job and the things that they see, all the horrible things they see on the job. And... Uh, Reed asks Morgan if he's had similar a similar situation, nightmares, and uh, rather than answer him, Morgan gets kind of serious and says, look, I, I'm really not the guy you want to talk to about this. Maybe you should talk to, uh, to Gideon about this. Elle comes in and she says uh, Hotch wants them all in the round table room, which is the first time they've called it yeah, that, I've, I think, I've never but I like it. I mean – we know it's the room where they discuss things and there's a round table in it. I, you know, yeah. it makes sense that they might call it the round table room, but it's episode 10. You never called it that before. But maybe they're on set. They called it that. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're shooting in the round table room, everybody. Get to the round table room. So I, I get it. It just right. didn't feel organic here. I'm with you. She, Elle does notice that there's kind of a strange vibe going on between Morgan and Reed here, but they don't really cop to anything being wrong. Everybody just goes on to the uh, to the conference room. We cut to the conference room and uh, JJ is going over the details in the file. Apparently, this is in the um, township or county uh, of McAllister, which is near the mountain. Two bodies were found in the woods. Both have blunt force trauma to the head. One was a skeleton and the other was not. And L asks how they know that there's a connection. And Hotch says, well, they were found about 75 yards apart. Nearly identical. Is that good enough for you, L? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so duh, L. Morgan notes that the file doesn't seem to have much in it. And, uh, Hotch says that's because the police are there and they're waiting for us now. Uh, it's quick plane right away, like half an hour. Morgan wants to know why they have to rush. And Hotch says, well, there's evidence on the scene that could cause a little bit of a public uproar. And uh, Gideon is looking at the photo as... He often does. And uh, he says, uh, satanic cult. And we see a picture of the of a tree and it's carved with a red pentagram and the message, uh, Satan lives, L-O-D. Indeed. And cut to credits. Screaming minds, screaming minds, screaming minds, screaming minds. It's criminals. Yes, our theme song cuts it at just the right time. <laughs> now, 
L-O-D. I mean, we already had L L D S K. L D S K. Yeah. We could have called this episode L O D because you know AJ. I like now it's become a thing for me. I like when the episode title is mentioned in the episode. I've decided I like that and look forward to it. And when it doesn't happen, I am filled with bitter disappointment. Yes. Well, we will discuss the uh, two moments of bitter disappointment that I had when this very all rights should have been used and was not in this episode. Which, but first, makes me even more. It's fine if it's not used. Like, I guess if, you know, if it's a good description or it's, it's clever or something, but, uh, you know, when you lead up to it, uh, you lead the horse to the water, let him drink, let him drink. Yeah. Uh, this episode again, folks, is titled The Popular Kids. I don't know if that's really what we feel like it's about. You know, I mean, we get that they're the popular kids, but it's not really, that's not like the focus. That's not the draw. That's not the je ne sais quoi. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, you don't want to give away too much and like name it uh, after what LOD is, you know, when we learn what right. it is. You want that to be a mystery, obviously. But, you know, you could have called it something, you know, uh, you know, secret cult or, you know, so, <laughs> cult right. of personality. You know, there's, there's ways you could have got. Ah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, then you get a cop, a deputy that looks like Vernon Reed. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, <laughs> I digressed a bit there. Mud skillings uh, on, the, <laughs> on the base. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, we get a stock photo of the bow jet. Oh. It's been a while. <laughs> yes, it's been a while. So uh, we see that and we get our opening quote. Sir Peter Ustinov, who... Uh, well-known actor. Mm-hmm. I remember him as in Murder, in the original Murder on the Orange Express movie. Sure. Uh, a few other things. Anyway, uh, he said, a superabundance of dreams is paid for by a growing potential for nightmares. Very nice. Very nice on theme with what Reed's going through. Nothing to do with the episode, but... <laughs> yeah. But hey, at least it's, it's story-based, sure, of what we've seen so far. And I wonder, like, where Peter Ustinov said this. Like, maybe it was in a bi- biography or something, because I feel like it's something one of his characters might say more than him. Uh, yes, but, I, I agree. Certainly, they could have then said Agatha Christie, probably. <laughs> but but right. who knows? Uh, you know, all right, fine, whatever. It's it's fair. Okay. Fair, fair. It's appropriate to somewhat, so we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> I yeah. love it! On the, on the plane... Hotch is uh, telling JJ that they need to keep this story out of the news as long as possible. And Elle, because she has to have some lines, asks why. And uh, Reed basically explains that they don't want to cause a satanic panic. A satanic mechanic. Um, Kick, panic. Apparently, there was a book out at some point, and it was about repressed memories, and that involves satanic cults and abuses. Reed is explaining all this. And uh, a lot of people then started claiming those same type of repressed memories. And even though the Bureau investigated, they really found no truth to most of these claims. Uh, So they actually have no case on record of actual ritualistic satanic human sacrifice murder. L takes that to mean, oh, well, then there's no devil worshippers. And Gideon's like, of course there are. It's not what I said. (laughs) Of course there are. But uh, 
you know, what we see mostly is in these are, are cases where juveniles are like vandalizing or desecrating a church or a cemetery. And as far as Gideon is concerned, there's no proven case of any kind of satanic killing in the United States. What's kind of fun about this, if, if, if you consider this fun, I mean, it's not really fun, but uh, fun fact, uh, that statement was no longer true six months later. Uh, in May of 2006, the first ever confirmed proven case of satanic ritual murder in the United States took place when uh, they convicted a Roman Catholic priest named Gerald Robinson of killing Sister Margaret uh, Ann Paul. Uh, now, the murder had taken place in 1980, but they didn't prove and convict until 2006. But that was and is considered the first proven case of satanic ritual killing. So uh, after this episode aired, uh, about, at about six months, you can no longer... Uh, Gideon can't say this anymore, but at the time it was an accurate statement. That's awesome to know that, uh, like they were on point at, at the time, you know, that they, that they made the statement. Good on them. Good for them. Anyway, Morgan says, uh, maybe there is a confirmed case now. Uh, basically he has this line just so he can hold up the picture of the tree and we can criminally mind our way into the scene a little bit faster. It's been a while since we traveled by Kodak, but I love when we do. <laughs> Not really, but hey, criminal mind is going to criminal mind, as I say. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so now the team is standing in front of the carved tree. The sheriff introduces himself. He is Sheriff Bridges, and he thanks them for coming out so quickly. Uh, apparently, there was an in-service in Charlottesville last year, and they taught him that if, if he ran into any kind of unusual homicides – to uh, call BAU sooner rather than later. And he's asking, uh, you guys think this is unusual enough? And uh, Reed says- We're here, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> really, you should have said to him. <laughs> yeah, he should have snapped. Uh, but Reed gets the chance to be Reed a little bit here. He says, uh, well, it's certainly interesting. Bridges is like, you guys must get a lot of this satanic stuff. No, not really, uh, is what Gideon is saying. And uh, he asks Bridges who found the body. Apparently a hiker found uh, Adam Lloyd's body on the trail. And then um, he says his deputies found the skeleton while they were looking for evidence. And they don't know if it's a man or a woman. But uh, Dr. Reed knows and he can explain why due to the shape of the pelvis and whatnot. Uh, They see some candle wax. Reed says, well, candles are used in rituals. And and, uh, Gideon says, yeah, they're also used on birthday cakes. (laughs) like that line from Gideon. I yeah. actually do because Gideon is just, just can we stop with the Satan crap, please? Yeah. Just just stop it. And, and Reed is, Reed's still, he wouldn't have yelled at the sheriff if he had said that, but Reed, Reed don't feed it. Reed, Reed, yeah. don't feed into it, please. <laughs> Reed decides, no, he's going to uh, go into one of his actually speeches <laughs> about uh, candles and, and birthday cakes and how they were, were used to protect the birthday celebrant from demons during the coming year. And uh, basically, until the fourth century, Christianity rejected the birthday celebration as a pagan ritual. And then when he finishes saying it, he gives just the cheesiest grin. Like, <laughs> like it was just almost an Urkel grin level of grin, uh, I felt. It was, it was kind of uh, cute. And uh, after a beat, Sheriff Bridges just says uh, to Reed, uh, what kind of doctor are you? And there's just silence from everybody. <laughs> awkward silence until we move away to the other end of the investigation. <laughs> yes. We cut to uh, Hotch now who's walking with Mouse Cop. And uh, 
he's saying, Mouse Cop is saying that uh, apparently Adam Lloyd was a local hero. He was a high school football star, which leads Hotch to say so. I guess he was pretty strong, huh? And uh, the deputy says, well, he does. He used to run on this mountain all the time, and that's not very easy. Um, so uh, Morgan walks up and asks if he was uh, running out there today. And the deputy deputy shrugs and says, well, he was wearing sweats. So, <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Uh, Morgan says to Hotch, was this a, a crime of opportunity or was the unsub waiting for this kid specifically? And Hotch says, was the unsub waiting for this kid specifically? Uh, and Mouse Cop says, unsub? Because we're only in episode 10 of season one still. So they still have to give us a few of the uh, explanations. Yeah, I think maybe the ratings, uh, you know, they're looking at the dip and the rise and they're going, oh, we've got a few more viewers now than before. No one really watched the first two episodes. Those ratings are in. Let's uh, let's just explain it really quick. Move it on. I'm fine with that. It it was a get in, get out. Hotch says it real quick. Unknown subject. The killer. That's (laughs) move on. Move on. (laughs) Check. Elle uh, does walk up at this point and she says, uh, if it's a cult, do you think they would care who the victim was? And Morgan, Morgan is really helpful with his response of maybe, maybe not. <laughs> and uh, Hotch says, so we're talking about a uh, blitz attack, which I thought was nice. On, snicker, on the snicker, snicker. Player. How else would you, how else would you subdue a quarterback? I mean, what, what, with the two zone? <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, blitz attack on a high risk victim. One who could defend himself with the he did it with a weapon that was picked up up at the scene, and then he holds up a big rock. And Elle says, "Well, that's the sign of a disorganized killer, but it could indeed be a cult." And uh, Morgan blathers on a bit about the Manson case, and uh, Elle is looking around, saying that this looks like a heavily traveled area. If you were going to do a ritualized killing, would you do it in the middle of this heavily traveled path? Of course, you wouldn't, Elle. Uh, Hotch says. If the uh, other crime scene was where the pentagram was, that's where the ritual site was. Maybe I might blitz the victim here again and uh, drag him to the other scene. And then Elle says, well, why didn't they? It's a good question. Yeah, no, that's a good question. This is investigative questioning. It's it's not just explain to me questioning, which is what they usually give Elle, which I I have no patience for because that's just lazy writing. Uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, well-traveled is, of course, you know, in quotation marks for – for this small town, well traveled, I mean, you know, but you know, fair enough. Uh, apparently, if this is where the kids go jogging, then uh, anyone from around these parts would probably know it's where the kids go jogging. Right. Back at the uh, carved tree, Gideon is asking the team if uh, LOD means anything to any of them at all, and they all say no. Even Doctor Reed, who doesn't know what what that uh, acronym could mean. And JJ is like, well, I was about to call Garcia to have her research this, but I, I can't get a signal. And the sheriff says she won't be able to in that area. So we know basically they have no cell phone communication uh, while they're at the scene this episode. No phone, no light, no motor car, not a single luxury. <laughs> <laughs> so Gideon asks, Gideon asks the sheriff if there's any secret groups or cults in the area that he doesn't know much about. And the sheriff is like, hey, we're a very religious area. We, you know, we go to church on Sunday. We have our Bible group on Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera. If there was any kind of secret group, <laughs> I know about it. And Reed is like, well, that's an inherent contradiction. And the sheriff is like, excuse me? 
And Gideon says, you know, trying to calm the situation. He he just means if that the group were being secretive, you probably wouldn't know about it. And then I'm like in my head, well, then why did you ask him, Gideon? <laughs> set him up for that. He totally set him up for that. Yeah. And it's going to get worse with the next statement. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the sheriff, he just seems kind of offended by these guys. Uh, and he says, uh, look, out here, people just want a quiet place to raise their kids. And what I know is that none of them are capable of doing this. To which Reed probably should have said, well, that's an inherent contradiction because obviously someone is capable of doing this because we have a dead body here, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad they didn't go there, but I'm kind of disappointed they didn't go there. (laughs) Yeah. They needed to have a little attitude there a little bit more, but uh, I understand they're trying to deal with this sheriff. Uh, So He seems like the sheriff, I mean, at this point, he seems like he means well, but... He's he's a small town sheriff. I mean, he and kudos to him for calling right away, and they told me to call, and he's trying to do all the right things and check all the right boxes, but he he's totally not going to be helpful. He's just he's in over his head. And he won't believe it could be anybody he knows. So Exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh now we next cut to the them exiting the area and uh, Hotch asks them if they found anything and Gideon says, well, it does look like some kind of ritual site. Reed again starts asking if any of them know what the LOD could be. And as they are saying no, a woman is let into the scene who wants to know if Adam Lloyd was killed. She finds out he is, starts going into a panic. This is apparently Cherish Cherish Hansen's mother. And she says, hey, Cherish went jogging with Adam this morning and now she's missing. I can't find her. Fair, fair, good information. Good for her to get up there. And hey, I'm cool with that. So far, the writing is pretty good in this one. After a break, we pick back up at the scene and uh, Gideon is saying we're looking for someone who could overpower our victim, abduct a girl from the traveled path without being seen. Uh, Reed says this might indeed fit into the cult theory. Maybe there's more than one unsub to deal with the, the various victims. Hotch does argue that it's still possible that it's it's one it could be one person if he came in yeah, and overpowered I, them. It was at this point when I was watching it. I don't know if you noticed this. Did you happen to notice Reed's purple scarf? Yes, <laughs> I didn't mention it here. They both so both of them had Gideon and Reed had scarves, but Reed's scarf was fashion model like swept around. Uh, I describe I, I, it honestly. I didn't <laughs> notice it until the, right this moment during his speech here, and I was like, is he? Is he doing Doctor Who cosplay? Yes. <laughs> the scarf was flyboy. Uh, it was just, just weird. Yeah. He wears the weirdest things to crime scenes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair. Wasn't just me. Okay, good. Completely agreed. Uh, <laughs> thank you for bringing it up because that was kind of amazing. Anyway, so Hotch says it's still possible that it could be just one person. And then L comes in to report that this is a pretty rough country and she only went a quarter mile into the mountains and got lost. And I'm like, should you be admitting that? <laughs> but okay. <laughs> hey, at least she told them right away and not six weeks later. I mean, you know else. Yes. <laughs> um, Morgan says that the unsub has to be from this area. You don't just stumble onto a place like this. And uh, Gideon asks JJ where the sheriff went. She says he went to set up the search party. And he tells her to have him use uh, local people for the search party. And uh, JJ wants to know if she should tell him why. And Reed just kind of laughs it off. No, not yet. 
Hotch feels like this is going to maybe alienate the sheriff. And is this wise? And Gideon reasons that the sheriff thinks they're looking for a monster. And if they tell him that they want to profile all the people that come up to do the search, uh, the sheriff might just get antsy and call the whole thing off. So that's his reasoning. As weird and as unusual as Gideon can be at times, and his methodology is sometimes a little abrasive or aggressive when we might not think that's the wisest course of action. I mean, the man knows how to read people. And, and yeah. clearly, you know, the, yeah, the sheriff can't be anywhere from our town. Can't be anywhere. So you don't go up to him and say, we think it's someone from your town. <laughs> like, you know, right. now, now's not the time. Well, let's get our let's get our our profiling of the volunteers done. And, uh, you know, th- th- then we'll be cool. <laughs> so now we cut to uh, Sheriff Bridges telling Mouse Cop that they are uh, aren't going to wait for the state police to show up. He tells him to go gather everyone up and he's going to assign them to specific uh, grid locations to commence with a search. And uh, JJ comes up and asks if he has a minute. And he says, well, I've got a missing girl, 100 square miles of woods, not enough men and a couple of hours till it's dark. So, no, I don't have a minute. (laughs) And uh, she asks him, well, maybe have you considered using local people for this? And he protests at first, but every every objection he has, L basically, I mean, JJ, I'm so sorry, <laughs> JJ has an answer for. She J- convinces him. JJ gaslights this guy good. Yeah. She makes it all seem like it's his idea. Well, you know your locals can do a much better job searching this exactly. area than any statey that might come in and help out. So, you know, you. I think this is a great idea you've come up with here. Yes, this is a great idea I've come up with here. Yeah. She, uh, she's like, I, look, I came from a small town. I know what you're going, you know, like she's, she gets it. And my, and my notes is, I think this is the first time I've seen JJ actually do anything in 10 episodes. <laughs> I mean, like actually like, you know, I know she's done stuff, but you know what I mean? Like she used her wiles and, 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 and figured out the, a a way to manip- manipulate the situation to how she needed it to be. Yeah, I, I think definitely it's one of those uh, situations where they, they're beginning to figure out how to use JJ's character, where she doesn't have to just be the person who walks into the room and says, we've got a case that you just saw in the first scene, and now I'm going to explain the case that you just saw, and uh, should I, I, I guess I'll go talk to the reporters and leave you guys alone. <laughs> they did try to in, insinuate her more into the, uh, the, the day-to-day. Right. So the sheriff and JJ start to leave. Uh, Reed wants to join them so he can uh, call Garcia to have her look up the uh, LOD thing. They drive to the sheriff's office and a, a man is out front and he's, he greets them and he asks the sheriff what's going on. And the sheriff starts to introduce them, but he doesn't remember JJ's and Dr. Reed's names. Fair. Uh, a lot of people to so meet him once, yeah. Yeah. So they introduce themselves uh, and apparently... This guy that they are meeting is the Reverend Paul Burke. And I really feel like only reason we are meeting him is to have a suspect we can add to our list. Oh, what uh, gave that away, Katad? Was it the, the fact that when, when he leaves, he looks back at them and they play this musical sting that really just screams, he's a suspect. <laughs> AJ, that is what gave that away. <laughs> so... I suppose I should mention that also the sheriff asked the uh, reverend to basically gather up the town folk uh, to help uh, assist with the search. You know, when you got a town with a reverend and they're a very church-going town, it's one-stop shopping. There you go. 
So they uh, then continue into the sheriff's office. Dr. Reed uh, is, you know, off to make his call. And as he's going through, he's looking at some uh, stuff on the wall. And they have, you know, pictures of their local sports hero, uh, Adam, the quarterback. Uh, There's trophies and uh, actually a football there. And Reed picks it up and is looking at it. When he hears someone behind him approaching him, then he asks him if uh, he plays ball, which Reed (laughs) has to laugh at. And... uh, uh, and I was waiting for a, well, I did go to the Reds, the Washington Redskins game. Uh, <laughs> this one time. <laughs> this and one it was time. with a girl. <laughs> but we hear nothing about that. Instead, uh, the boy says, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't have played football either if it wasn't for my father. It turns out this is the sheriff's son, Corey. Reed notes right away that the boy is reading Nietzsche, the spake spek- Zarastrutha. Mm-hmm. You know that, that one. one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that seems to be a bit off for the Judeo-Christian mindset of this town. Kid remarks something about some nobody would have read it in this town anyway. And if they had, they wouldn't understand it. It might as well be uh, like a hawking essay on the quark theory. And Reed laughs at this and the kid is like, wow, <laughs> no one has ever gotten that, would have ever gotten that reference before. Yeah, this this Reed. kid is definitely on the pulse of of young youth culture. The the, the, yeah. the script writer, you know, really encapsulates it. Oh, you're you're with the FBI. You're one of the profilers. Mad cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> as soon as uh, he's talking to uh, him, Corey starts to wonder why. Hey, wait a minute. Why are there profilers here in McAllister? And uh, Reed says, well, there was a murder on the mountain and a girl is missing. And that's when the sheriff comes in and says, uh, son, it's Cherish. And uh, he's like, no, Cherish Hansen, no. <laughs> um, the sheriff is like, yeah, I'm putting together a search party right now. I need you to go get the rest of the team together to help out with the search. Uh, meet us on the trail. Corey's like, OK. And he springs off into action. And then we cut to some... Really sus looking dude, to use the hip lingo uh, <laughs> of the day. This guy, I mean, he's got unsub. He, he might as well have a shirt with unsub written on I'm it. With unsub. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's arriving at the scene saying, oh, yeah, I came as soon as I heard. And the sheriff is like, good morning, Henry. Uh, sign in with this lady over here. Then um, go wait for your instructions. It looks like pretty much the whole town has arrived there at this point, which somehow impresses a, a Brooklyn-born and raised L, who is like, Brooklyn would have never had this many people come out for this. And I'm like, ah. Well, I mean, you know, maybe maybe at the, the band shell at Prospect Park or something. I mean, like, come on, Al. Yeah. Little props for your hometown, Brooklyn. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Morgan notes, here come the jocks and cheerleaders as that group of people uh, walks yeah, in. Yeah, here come the and, popular kids, is what he should have said there. Thank you. And Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Although there's one girl in this group who definitely looks out of place, is looking around very furtively. I have... We, we learned her name very late in the episode, but from this point on in my notes, I have just called her a squirrely girl. Because <laughs> she's acting all squirrely. She is. Uh, 
Although, isn't Squirrel Girl, isn't that a superhero? I don't Not know. Not Squirrel Girl. Squirrely Girl. <laughs> Squirrely Girl. Okay. Fair. Fair indeed. So, the sheriff is explaining to everyone about the whole setup, uh, how you're going to be assigned to grids. If you find anything, don't touch it. You know, you're going to have a uh, an officer or an FBI agent assigned to your grid. You just go to them immediately. Let them know you found something. We see, as this is going on, a few more shots of the very shifty-looking Henry uh, and also a shifty-looking Reverend Burke, just in case we forgot about them. Everyone groups up, and Gideon notices that one girl, squirrely girl, who uh, keeps looking back at the woods. Gideon asks JJ to look at if she can look at the sign-up sheets. He looks them over, asks if JJ's got Garcia ready to look at them to get the background on everyone. She's like... Yeah, I have to go back into town and then I'll fax this stuff to her. Which is just like, that is so last decade. Well, wow. Hello. <laughs> and when was this episode <laughs> yeah. taking place? Yeah. It, but it, it, I mean, it is just like a snapshot of time. It's like, this would not have seemed that crazy uh, a lack of technology back then. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. You know, I just got my cell phone last week, you know. <laughs> so right. I get it. But yeah, just show how, how quickly technology advances. So. Gideon is uh, looking around, and of course, he always has to say this, I feel like, at some point every episode. He he says, this guy likes to put himself in the show. He's here with us now. He's here with us now, which, of course, he says he, and you know, this show likes to misdirect. So it's like, maybe Squirrely Girl is really the unsubbed, certainly there, but there was no music for Henry, so maybe it is Henry, but the music was, did you do a double dip misdirect there and it's really the reverend like you know i don't know i mean that would be perfect cover for a reverend it's a satanic murder it's the reverend and as we find out six months later there will be a reverend (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's 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 good setting up the stakes to me what this is doing is that look Anybody who is the unsub is here. Gideon's kind of preaching the word of of the scriptwriter here saying, you can stop expecting any deus ex machina or someone coming out from the outside. It's one of these people here right now. That's my promise to you as the scriptwriter. Start figuring it out, folks in the audience. Right. So now we uh, cut to various groups of people searching and then uh, we cut back to Garcia, who has gotten her sign-up sheets, axes, and uh, she's busy clickety-clacking away. She says, this is one Peyton place of a town. Use a, a more modern reference, Garcia. <laughs> okay. Melrose place of a town. Uh, a, 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 you know, Peyton place. Yeah, this is Come a very Wisteria but, uh, okay. Lane type of neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm trying to, I was trying to think of 2005-era. <laughs> Uh, nighttime soaps. Yeah, but you know, uh, but, but Peyton Place. Uh, look, uh, consider, considering the types of references that Reed makes, <laughs> you know, she could she could talk about the honeymooners and still be kind of current. <laughs> so there's, it's mostly wealthy people in this town, doctors, lawyers, and such. The little info she was able to find out, while Reverend Burke uh, became born again while he was in prison for embezzlement. So he could be naughty. And then she sees a lot of info on like people doing tax shelters and stuff, but nothing that really screams out satanic cult number. <laughs> Here's one with a with a shell company called Baal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
she does pick up on a guy that has a ton of debt and he was jailed for assault with a deadly weapon. JJ says, well, our unsub used a blunt weapon. What did this guy use? A baseball bat. And it figures, AJ, that the guy who uses blunt weapons, what's his last name? Dent. Dent. Uh, I'm a blunt weapons guy, and my name is Henry Dent. Right out of the comic Uh, books. I just thought that, (laughs) yeah, I thought that was, yeah, definitely a DC comic uh, uh, name. Um, And we did just meet Henry a short bit ago, didn't we, AJ? he was a very weird uh, guy who kind of seemed a little bit too enthusiastic to be helping out the search crew. And JJ's going to tell, oh, we're going to check for the... Oh, he's with Al. Of course he's with Al. Of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Square B5. <laughs> Bingo. It's Al. <laughs> I, and, and here's the thing. I get that you don't want to pay a lot of people <laughs> to be extras in every scene. But we are going to cut now to L and Henry searching B5. And there doesn't seem to be anyone else in this entire grid square. That is exactly (laughs) my note. We cut to this dude and he's still looking creepy and he's kind of lurking about 20 feet behind L. And uh, and there's nobody else around there. It's just it's empty. So basically he walks up behind her real quiet and uh, does one of those things where he touches you before he starts talking uh, which scares the crap out of Elle, which yes. it should. She's like, ah, oh, a way to scare a girl. Yes, Elle, he he totally, you were there tying your boots in the middle of this crime area, and uh, he would have had to drop on you were he uh, a, a bit more nefarious, maybe. Indeed. he's You know, luckily for Elle, he's just creepy, and creepy Henry <laughs> proceeds to have a creepy conversation. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm Henry. And Elle's like, uh, good for you, Henry. I'm Elle. Uh, and he says, like the letter. Oh, man. As if this was the most exotic name. And maybe it is the most exotic name he's ever heard before. But I, I mean, really, Henry? Uh, I mean, if you had said, my name is 27, then you'd have a conversation there. Right. Like the number? Uh, and, uh, at this point though, I am starting to worry a little bit for L. Um, he starts talking to her about the uh, FBI and just starts going into some other stuff. But at this point she's not paying attention because Elle has noticed, uh, a clue, a clue. in the tree. Back, a clue back, in back, the tree. Back. Where is it? It's a clue. It's a clue. <laughs> yes. Uh, so she goes over to the tree and picks it up. There was something. What was else was in the tree? Did you figure out what that was? It, I couldn't really like make some, it out. Some fabric, like some clo- a piece of clothing that had been yeah. torn off. Yeah. But she didn't grab that because you know that's no. only evidence potentially. <laughs> Why would you want to grab that? Let um, me grab the piece of paper. Uh, you know, instead. in fairness, she does kind of protect the preserve the fingerprints on it. She doesn't just grab it with her hand. She kind of you know right. takes it, uh, covers her hand, and, and grabs it. Uh, it is bloody, which is something to note. But then, of course, what does Elle do that she probably would not do in real life with only person around being creepy Henry? Is she reads it aloud for our benefit at home? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And and not only that, 
She lets creepy Henry just like walk all up. It, it is uncomfortable. He is uncomfortably close to her, reading over her shoulder. Yes. Uh, and she doesn't like move. She's just she's just into the note at this point. I'm like, if he was up on me like that, I don't care what I'm reading right now. I've been like, I'm like, dude, you need to back up a step. <laughs> and L of all people, L's not shy about telling men to back the hell up. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Henry stands far cl- too close to her and, uh, and wonders what the red stuff on the note is. <laughs> and like, goes to touch it. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, blood. Uh, all right. Good job. Al. Yeah. We and go the, to break. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the, which we go to break after she reads a lot and lets us know that Satan commands virgin be sacrificed at the next full moon. And Henry goes, that's tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, Farmer's Almanac, it's tonight, I guess. Yes. I don't know. Please, can yeah, we go to commercial? <laughs> AJ, I, I, I know when it's a full moon because I look outside and go, oh, it's a full moon tonight. That's that's when I know it's a full moon. Uh, but yes. Well, I know because I transform into a werewolf. I mean, uh, yes, I look outside. <laughs> uh so now we do when we get back from commercial, we cut uh, back to the sheriff's office. <laughs> this cracked me up. Reed is still yawning. He's tired, man. <laughs> he, he pulls a yawn, which is only there to remind us of the B plot. <laughs> it yes. Is, it is ridiculous. Uh, Hotch says, tired? <laughs> uh, Reed says he's fine. But Hotch says, hey, uh, we all get them sometimes. <laughs> Reed is like, get what? And he plays this off cool because he doesn't. He doesn't there's no way anybody could know what he's talked about at the beginning of this episode, right? Absolutely none. I mean, the only person he told was Morgan, and of course, that was in his strictest confidence. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Hotch is like, get the nightmares. And Reed, he, he looks over, and it, it, very quickly, his glance is shooting knives. If, if Morgan was actually paying attention to him, he would have felt that hit. But uh, Morgan was not looking at him. But Reed does give him the quickest of, of evil's looks before he turns back and says oh no it's not that bad <laughs> uh <laughs> no it's good it's good i mean I, I again when the story doesn't work for me usually the character stuff does you know eventually we get to the point where character stuff and story stuff are both working on all cylinders in the both episodes uh there's at least you know the whole morgan reed thing and then the character stuff is working for me the plot is just can we get on with it please but i enjoy the character <laughs> moments yeah, uh, this was a good one. And uh, Hotch anyway says, you know, if you want to talk about it, just just let me know. JJ comes by and says they're ready. And so it's time for our profiling powwow. Uh, Hotch starts it off. There has never been a proven case of satanic ritual killing. Thank you. We've heard it. We've heard it. We've heard it. <laughs> yes. Never a verified human sacrifice. There may have been isolated cases of animal psych- sacrifice and many cases of vandalism in the name of Satan. And there's some video action, as usual, behind him of people, Satanists, doing all kinds of Satan-y things. And unlike most of the time when this is going on and and Gideon is doing the speech, say, for example, he's basically just talking to the cops. But Hotch was actually looking back behind him (laughs) like he was looking at the scene. And I was like, wait a minute. This is just for our benefit. You can't see this, Hotch, can you? <laughs> I mean, 
You know, Hutch, I don't know if you knew this about Hutch, but he's a trans-dimensional being. Did, did we not explain this in the pilot? <laughs> I missed that part. Yeah, I mean, normally, I, I'm with you. Normally, the profile, I mean, the profile B-roll shtick is not something I care about. I, I, I understand why it's yeah. there. It's because these profiles are boring as all get out. And I stopped listening halfway through. I just, can we just fast forward, fast forward. So at least it gives me something to look at. But yeah. Uh, this this is just I don't care I don't care yeah and I don't I, I don't know that I just it just bothered me that he was note like appeared to notice <laughs> like he was looking at it uh, like well but, I, I but wanted which, to know which, which was worse was it was it when Hotch appears to notice or when we get actual newsreel footage of Jim Jones and Manson coming up when Reed starts talking <laughs> about it because that was a little more disturbing for me yeah fair point fair point uh anyway. <laughs> I digress. So uh, Hotch uh, is talking and then Morgan interrupts him and says, hey, look, that doesn't mean that ritual Satanism is impossible. They know that some cults have killed, just not in a ritual fashion. And that's when we bring up Jim Jones and the Manson family and we see the the footage of all, all that behind them. Um, Elle is saying killer cults do exist and invariably they're headed up by charismatic megalomaniacs Reed says you guys are looking for the leader he's the one that's going to stand out to people outside the group though he'll seem like he's strange weird scary since they are looking for professed satanists they tend to be young males so they may be looking for teenagers heavy metal music is often associated with satanism and these kids and their leader may be associated with that type of look. Fair. All fair. Uh, I have a question for you about this whole profile scene here. And again, not something I noticed until this rewatch here. But I just thought it was oddly staged. I don't know if you noticed. Why are Morgan and Elle behind a wall? <laughs> it, I mean, my first yeah. thought is, is Lola Glaudini pregnant? Are they trying to hide a pregnancy? Because it really uh, does look like that. And I'm going to start tracking this from this point forward. Um, because okay, it yeah. just, it, you know, spoiler alert, you know, Elle's not pregnant. <laughs> so, but I don't know if Lola, the actress, is, might be pregnant. Because I'm looking at going, yeah. they're hiding her behind a wall. That's just weird staging if she's not. <laughs> yeah, that might, that might, yeah, maybe that was just some weird director it, yeah, choice. Yeah, so something, something um, to track going forward. Because what reason is there for that? Yeah. Good point. Again, I didn't notice, but good point. So uh, Morgan says most likely there's going to be, you know, sex, drugs and alcohol. And and you can see the sheriff, by the way, has a pained look on his face during this whole thing because this just cannot be oh, happening. Yeah, this can't be happening town. down. And I, I got to give credit to the BAU because they're saving the best for last. <laughs> the best for last reveal here. Yeah. And they're just waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh, the sheriff's about to get it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the leader of the group may be a little bit older. That's part of his charm. All right, all right, all right. Uh, and, and, yeah. Hotch says, as you said, the kicker, uh, he is from this area. He is definitely local. If they can say one thing, <laughs> they can say he is definitely local. L says, yeah, these woods are too thick and confusing for a visitor. The sheriff is, is still pretty indignant. He's like, you're saying it's somebody local? <laughs> and Hotch is like, we are sure of it. <laughs> the sheriff starts to say that he would know if someone is capable of doing this, but he is interrupted by son Corey, who is like, uh, dad, I know somebody like that. 
cut to a sporty car pulling up to a cabin in the woods, and we hear a Corey voiceover. His name is Mike Zizzo. <laughs> the Life Aquatic he, uh, with Mike Zizzo. <laughs> yes. He, he graduated about five years ago. Uh, we see Zizzo get out of his car and light a cigarette. And hey, it's Aaron Paul. Was it Paul. a blue cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad and, and BoJack Horseman and, and uh, other things. Before anyone so, uh, knew who he was, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corey uh, is voicing over that he does hang out with some high school kids and they all get high and listen to heavy metal music. Uh, and they call themselves the Lords of Destruction. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Reed is like, L-O-D. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Thank you. <laughs> Why don't you go Thank back you, to the T-A-R-D-I-S, uh, doctor? <laughs> <laughs> so... The sheriff does want to know how his son happens to know all this information. Corey has to admit that, yeah, I've been there. I've seen what they do, you know. Uh, and and this guy, this guy talks about Satan all the time. Gideon asks where this place is. <laughs> and in a very Scooby-Doo-like moment, Corey says, it's the old Jensen place on the other side of the mountain. <laughs> uh, yes. And the sheriff, and, uh, of course, has to admit that he can't go. It's mm, out of our jurisdiction. How clever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Hotch says it's not out of our jurisdiction. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good, good hotline. So, uh, you may think yeah. it's out of your jurisdiction. Well, it ain't out of mine. Let's roll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, as they're all, you know, rushing out of the office, Corey does try to apologize to his dad who sort of ignores him and then uh, we see the reverend patting him on the shoulder to console him a little bit it's okay you were a bad boy but you you could not resist the lure of satan don't worry say three hail marys and you'll be fine yeah (laughs) and as the team is going out to their cars gideon notices that squirrely girl is uh hanging around outside the sheriff's office and uh so they make some eye contact. And you get the feeling maybe Squirrely Girl wants to talk maybe. or something. So uh, Gideon says, uh, you know what? Everyone else, you go ahead. I- I'm going to stay here. And uh, Morgan's like, why? Gideon's kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to find out, I'm basically. I'm in the mood for nuts. You take that any way you want. <laughs> <laughs> we cut out to the old Jensen house of, of Satan worship. And this is a very standard. They could have taken this scene out of any devil worship <laughs> movie, TV show, whatever. Uh, dark house, stereotypical uh, metalheads dancing, thrashing about. You can't really see what's going on. Thumping, driving, heavy metal music. Uh, you've yeah, seen this the scene graffiti before. on the walls is satanic. There's a bust of a red devil. Like just all, all this, all yeah. this stuff here. And you know, the only sad thing here is that there's no door to knock down because the door is open. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they missed out on the, the door knocking act, the door uh, destroying uh, activities. So the police do uh, bust in and do their thing. Um, they find uh, Aaron Paul in, in the room by himself, <laughs> standing in a, in a crucified pose, 
just being yeah, you know, satanish. He's, he's got the drinking, Satanus. he's got the smoking, he's got the eyeliner, which is the, probably the most evil thing of all. Right. I mean, you know, Mike Zizzo, I mean, that's the name you chose, Mike Zizzo. Could you not have just gone the full nine here and named him B.L. Zabub? <laughs> Uh, yeah, even a Damien uh, Ominator or something. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. You're right. It's, it's Mike Zizzo. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Gideon has followed a squirrely girl, and she has basically led him into a church. Uh, she sits down in one of the front pews, and uh, Gideon goes and sits right next to her. After a short minute, they have a conversation. She asks him if he believes in God. Like, excuse me, I said, do you believe in God? He's very unequivocally, yes. Um, I thought that was well handled. Uh, uh, she says, well, then how about the devil? Um, at that moment, we cut back to Zizzo. And uh, <laughs> he's in the interrogation room asking if someone is going to tell him why he's there. Uh, Hotch brings out the note and says, this was found where near Cherish Hansen went missing. Zizzo is like, oh, that's why everybody's all crazy. It's the town is going crazy. It's because it's perfect little debutante is in trouble. And again, and, uh, he could have said it's one of the popular kids. It's uh, one you. of the popular kids. <laughs> Zizzo reads the note uh, that Hotch gave him and uh, he starts laughing. And, and Hotch is like, you think threatening to kill a girl is funny? And he's like, no, I think someone calling Cherish Hansen a virgin <laughs> a is great funny. Line. Aaron Paul, man. Aaron yeah. Paul's just got a great line. The accent is weird that he chooses to use here, but the, the delivery is spot on. Sheriff Bridges is like, uh, are you a Satanist, Mike? And he's like, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, Aaron Paul was is great, even back before we knew who he was. Yeah, we'll go with that. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bridget says, you worship the devil. And then, uh, so Zizzo gives him a brief lesson that I'm not going to really get into on Satanists and how they're, basically they oppose the holier-than-thou hypocrisy that's forced on them by all the adults in town. And it's more like that they are aggressively atheist. Al says, uh, look at these crime scene pictures. Boom. Throws them on the table. How aggressive are you, Mike? And it's the first time that, uh, uh, Zizzo looks a little bit shook. Yes, and, and, and normally in this situation, when they when they see that the uh, suspect looks shook, they usually take you know the temperature a little bit and go, oh, you know, he really hasn't seen. He doesn't know about this. Like you know, oh, maybe we're the wrong guy. But it's not going to be the case here because he's getting West Memphis threed big time in this small town. <laughs> yeah, good reference. People should look that doc- documentary up, by the way, right? Yes. I've, What's that I, called? A uh, little quick sidebar. I've met Damien Eccles. He, I interviewed him for my uh, first book uh, <laughs> while he was on Death Row. I got messages to him, and uh, I, I have met him in person. And, I mean, there's no way. There's no way he did it. Like, it, even though we now know that they didn't do it, even just meeting him, like, you can, I can tell. You know, he's either the fool me, like, nobody's been this. He's the sweetest guy in the world. There's just no way. Not in my town. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, cut back to Gideon with uh, this girl, squirrely girl, squirrel girl. 
squirrely girl. <laughs> squirrely coyote and she's girl. Like, she's like, uh, you're one of those FBI agents, aren't you? <laughs> like, duh. Uh, but <laughs> yes. And uh, so she starts going into all the philosophical questions of the day. Do you think God is vengeful? Gideon says, well, he doesn't know. And she says, well, don't you think he punishes us? And uh, Gideon brings up Hurricane Katrina, how some people thought it was a punishment for New Orleans, perhaps perhaps being as modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, but other people that were actually in the city felt like it was an example of God's love because the uh, levees didn't break until after the storm had passed. So thousands of lives uh, were saved by that fact. So it's really pretty much a matter of perspective. And that the answer may depend on whether or not you have something you think you need to be punished Good. for. Good. Turning that in her face. Turning that around. Like, yeah. so do you cherish? Do you do something with cherish? Anything with cherish? Do you know anything but cherish? Do you know anything about cherish? <laughs> I know Coolin the gang did a lovely. Oh, no. There was this other girl, Joanna, but she doesn't show up in this episode. So. Uh... The girl says, my friend Cherish is missing, and it's all my fault. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, we cut back to the old Jensen house. Mouse Cop <laughs> is there, and he's uh, he's leaving at the moment, uh, Reed and Morgan. And uh, he asks them if they want anything, and uh, Reed orders a mocha latte. Just kidding. <laughs> but he does say a, a coffee would be nice. And uh, Morgan laughs at that and says, hey, maybe you should put about a quart of sugar in it. <laughs> and Reed is all two teaspoons is fine, and I think at this point he just remembered he's supposed to be mad at Morgan. So uh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so of course he's you know taking the opportunity because there ain't nobody else around but us chickens. Yeah, hey Morgan, you knew I didn't want you to tell Hotch about my nightmares. WTF? Like he doesn't say WTF, but that's his attitude. And Morgan is you know he's a little bit contrite here. He says, look, it's something they need to know about. And he's like, they? Yes. Uh, he told Hotch and Gideon. <laughs> you did you told Gideon? Oh, my. No. What did you tell Gideon? Uh, Reed can't believe it. He, he's like, what if they think I, I, I can't do my job? What if they pull me off the team? And Morgan says they won't. Don't worry about it. And and Reed keeps pushing it. He's mad. He's, this is what he gets for trusting people. They always are going to let him down. Uh, you know, yada, yada. And Morgan finally admits you know what? I know about this because I had nightmares too. He goes into one of their early cases that they were working on. It was a strangler case in Montana. And Morgan was all cocky and he thought he could get the profile, but he told them, I'm just going to need one thing. And uh, Reed says more victims. And yes, of course that was it. So uh, the next day they did have one more victim. And when Morgan went down there and he looked down at the body this girl's eyes were wide open, staring at him. Indeed. Mr. Benero likes the open eyes. He likes referencing them in his scripts, or at least the two I mean, we've seen. <laughs> yeah, and it's a heartfelt story, and Ed Morgan delivers it very well, and, and good on Shamar for, for the acting job here. You know, I, I'm, I'm drawn in by, you know, she had dead eyes, accusing eyes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think Brunero probably ripped that off from the monologue in, in, in Jaws, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
you know, you would think that since we did have that episode earlier where there was the victims with their eyes open, that perhaps this could have dredged to the surface in that episode? I, I know it wasn't appropriate then, but, you know, a yeah. little consistency. Or, or a little hint of what's to come. You know, Morgan looking yeah, shook. Exactly. And we don't know why. And then now eight episodes later or whatever it is, we go, oh, okay, nice. Tie it all together, nice. but I know it's 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 you know especially season ones are are breaking a storyline for the season by committee, and it, you don't know what's going to click and what's not going to click, and you might want to have two characters become best friends and they'll never talk to each other again by, by episode seventeen, you know? Right. So yes, Morgan has had nightmares, and in fact, uh, it still gets to him. He still has nightmares on occasion, and. Uh, what helped him was he went and talked to Gideon and Gideon talked him through it. He knows how to handle the nightmares now. I guess Reed is going to ask him more, but before he can, a car pulls up and our uh, sheriff's son, Corey Bridges, pops out of the car asking if they found her. He seems a little overexcited at this point. No, they haven't found anybody. And uh, he's asking, well, did you search all over? What about the outbuilding? Uh <laughs> Morgan is like, who said what now? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Who said what now? Uh, Yeah, he says, uh, it's the other area back in the woods. AJ, maybe I was late to the party. Maybe other people had their suspicions uh, about Corey before this. But this is at this moment, I was like, oh. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, I mean, he doth protest too much. He, 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 I think as we're going to learn, he thinks he's smarter than he is. Um, and I guess part of that is just because, you know, he, he only thought he was competing with the mind of Dr. Reed. And, you know, Reed's a little tired and off his game, a little distracted and very easily swayed by flattery. So it was going to definitely work on him and ain't going to fly with everybody else in the BAU. Um, he could have gotten away with it a little bit longer, at least, I think, if he had just simply, you know, Corey, what are you doing here? Look. Sheriff and I were dating. Yeah. There you go. Okay, I get it. Now I get why you're so upset. That's yeah. all he would have had to say. And don't say, what about the outbuilding? <laughs> you know, don't know too much information here. Yeah, like, you know, you know they had, you know, they had, they have uh, other headquarters as well. Did you check them all? Yeah. Yeah, there's one back there and there's one back there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, this place, I think there's... I saw uh, there's all sorts of areas in the woods. Yeah, like just don't make it so blatant. Um, <laughs> Did but you that's check the outbuilding <laughs> underneath the third door from the left? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he was just a little bit too uh, too, too uh, much. Yes, too pushy. Yeah. So he starts leading him to leading them to the area. We cut back to Gideon and the girl, and she's saying. You know that skeleton under the tree? Well, he died a year ago. Basically, this guy was like a tourist or something that fell onto the path, cracked his head open. And all the kids basically uh, have been going there and doing it. I don't know. I'm, I'm reminded of a Stand By Me where they go to look at the body. This is sure. Want something, to see I body, guess, yeah. something I guess kids uh, do. Uh, now, do all the kids do this, or there's a particular type of kid who does this? Oh, no. It's the popular kids, AJ. Oh, I see. I kind of wish she would have said it. Strike three! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yes. Uh, and this is where I have in my notes that maybe we could hear the popular kids as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically this whole group has been checking out for the last year and watching this guy decompose, which gross. I mean, I, I, the only if one of them was taking a photography class and was using it for some sort of really cool time lapse kind of project, at least I could at least understand that one. But you know, yeah. no, you report the damn body kids. Yeah, jeez. And uh, so yeah, the whole group is doing this. Uh, we cut briefly back to Zizzo, and he's looking at the uh, pictures of the of of uh, Adam's body, and he's like, "What is this? I I don't know anything about this, huh?" And uh, we cut back to the girl and she's still talking to Gideon. She's saying, well, the body was ours. It was, it was like ours. It was like, it, it's the only thing we had, which is so weird, but okay. Yes. She's fine. squirrely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gideon, I mean, rightfully is just sort of like, this was a human being <laughs> like, hello. Like he, he pretty much let her know she sucked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you have any? I mean, you've told me this whole stuff. You have anything you want to say to the man up there on the cross? Because yeah. I think that'd be a good time. You know, maybe she's taking all the punishment for all of the kids, but still, uh, at least she's she's giving up the four one one. At least. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, we can stop calling her the squirrely girl and just move right move right on from her to scapegoat. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we do cut at this point to Corey, and he is leading uh, Reed Morgan to the secret place, which does indeed have uh, LOD graffiti all over it. They send Morgan in to investigate. Indeed, he does find Cherish's body uh, in in that uh, outbuilding. Uh, meanwhile, Corey's sort of playing it up outside, saying he can't believe this is happening. It's the kind of thing that doesn't happen. You forgot the most important part of finding Cherish, though. Her eyes oh. were open, and she yes, was staring at him, and he winces and just I should shakes have mentioned his that. head. <laughs> Not again. <Yeah. laughs> uh, Here comes yes. another three weeks of nightmares. <laughs> I'm really curious to watch the next uh, if if he has another episode. This Edward uh, Bernero and uh, Bernero and uh, yes, you, see what happens. And I don't remember exactly how the next episode begins, but I would love it if, if the first scene is of, of Morgan putting a little coffee, a little coffee in his sugar. You know, <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that would yeah. be a nice little be... little nod. But of course, you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we cut back and uh, Corey is saying he can't believe all this is happening. This kind of thing doesn't happen to McAllister. And Rita saying, you you read the uh, profiling books. You know bad things can happen anywhere at any time. Uh, Morgan comes out. He tries to call someone, but of course he can't. Remember, we have no phone service no, here. At least they're consistent. <laughs> and we cut back to the interview room with Zizzo. And he's saying... Yo, Mr. White, we don't kill people, yo. Uh, <laughs> basically, we didn't do this. Uh, this is not us. Basically, uh, we are not the killers We here. are not the ones who um, knock. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the sheriff is like, hey, this is your chance to make it right. You better come clean, Zizzo. This is your chance. And uh, Zizzo is like, you don't want to make it right. You want to blame someone who doesn't conform to your view of how people should act. To take the blame. We cut back to Morgan and uh, he's telling Reed, and I think maybe he should have done 
a clearer job of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But he's telling Reed basically to get out of here because he doesn't want him to be uh, involved in what's going to happen next. He says, why don't you go back to the house to see if the deputies have come back? But Reed starts to like protest a little bit and he's like, no, just just go. Uh, <laughs> finally, Reed uh, basically just goes. We need the and- sheriff and the crime scene here. <laughs> so go <Yes>. there <laughs> and bring them here. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I guess he couldn't have done that, yeah. but Reed really did not pick up on it at all. And Corey is is there basically, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, cherish. Oh. Cherish is the word I love. Um, cherish the love. <laughs> Morgan does say, oh, I'm sorry about your friend. Um, and we cut back to Gideon, who said he's uh, been with Brandy Dreyforth. Do you know her, Sheriff? She's a fine girl. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the sheriff says, yes, yeah, she's a friend of his son. And uh, Gideon says, well, she was a friend of Cherish's, too. And the sheriff is like, and? <laughs> and Gideon says, well, they all knew about the skeleton. Who knew about the skeleton? Every kid in the town, basically. The football team, the cheerleaders, you know, everyone. The popular kids. They all, yeah, the popular kids. They all watched this man decompose. Uh, as far as Gideon could tell, the only ones who didn't know about it were Mike Zizzo and the LOD. <laughs> Apparently, this guy was a hiker. He's probably on a missing persons report. Uh, you could probably find out who he was. Hotch uh, asks Jason, how do you know the LOD wasn't involved? He says the candles, the other stuff, that wasn't there a month ago when they were last looking at the body. So someone had to put it there which means they wanted us to believe that the LOD was involved. It's uh, a frame Gideon job. is saying, yeah, Gideon is saying to the sheriff that the unsub likes to inject himself into the investigation. Hmm. Who gave us Sizzo? Who knew all about him? The sheriff realizes, uh-oh, they're talking about Corey. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Gideon says, basically, you called us here to advise you. My advice is to get in front of this. Before your son hurts himself or anyone else. <laughs> At which point, the door opens and Lenny and Squiggy and Mouse Cop enter. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, yeah. He comes in and says, did you open the gun lockers? <laughs> no. Uh, well, someone did. There's a revolver missing. Let's go, Shia. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan is chatting with Corey, basically sort of slow playing him here. He's like... Uh, telling him the profile and how it appears to be maybe a disorganized person, but it could also be a person who's read a lot of profiling books who knows just what they're going to be looking for that could be setting them up. Uh, He wants to control the whole situation, and that would also extend to the discovery. He wants to control where and when the body is found. And at this point, Corey turns around and is like, wait, me, me? Uh, he tries to protest. No, I'm I'm just here trying out here trying to help the brother out. Uh, well, he doesn't say that. Thankfully. Uh, <laughs> My man. But, uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just trying to help you out, and uh, I think he can see though that Morgan yeah, is yeah, onto the, him. The, the, the veil is very thin from yeah. just someone admitting what is being talked about here. But 
unfortunately, this is the moment that Reed chooses to come back into the scene saying, hey, I, I went up to the house and no one was there. Uh, he gets immediately grabbed around by his neck and the gun pointed at his head. We have a pretty standard but brief, thankfully, uh, standoff scene here because uh, Morgan has his weapon drawn and and uh, basically Corey is mad. He, he's like, Cherish wasn't supposed to be there. He didn't want to kill her. He was just trying to uh, kill the quarterback, but he'll have no problem killing Reed right now, right here, right now. And Morgan is like, no, you won't. He's like, test me. And uh, so Morgan decides he's going to drop the gun, put down his weapon. Uh, he says, all right, you're in control, Corey. Just let him go. Let him go. And uh, all of a sudden, Reed just <laughs> out of the blue bursts out with, for the evil is man's best force. Man must become better and eviler. And Corey's <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, what's happening? And uh, Reed says, this is what this whole thing is about, right? It's Zarastrutha, which I will always tongue twist and not, never say right. It's, it's Mike Zizzo. No, I mean Zarastrutha. <laughs> it's the Superman. There is no moral obligation for killing someone if you're superior to him. But Nietzsche was speaking metaphorically about evolving as a species. And Morgan says, yeah, you're just a horny kid who wanted to get rid of the cheerleader's boyfriend. <laughs> right. I, I, I love that line there. And uh, <laughs> Morgan's been... Morgan's been uh... So you can say a page out of the Gideon handbook. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So at this point, uh, Corey just gets distracted and mad. And Morgan basically tackles them and punches uh, Corey in the face. Uh, basically takes him out of the game at this point. He asks Reed if he's all right. And, and Reed says, what happened? Morgan starts to explain, well, he brought us down here, but it was too much of a coincidence. And Reed is like, no, 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 I get that. Why did you tackle us both? <laughs> uh, that was hysterical. That was a good line. <laughs> Reed, Reed gets the zingers in there, man. They're, they're, they're subtle, but they're funny. And uh, Morgan's like, uh, you're welcome, Reed. <laughs> uh, so that was a nice little scene. And basically, we don't really see the aftermath of that. We're already on the jet going back home in the next scene. And we get our end quote. Playwright Eugene Ionesco said... Ideologies separate us. Dreams and anguish bring us together. Yeah, okay. So we're wrapping up uh, the, the Reed storyline, basically. Yeah. Which is a, uh, a B plot, but it's a lowercase b. Yeah. Uh, everyone is sleeping on the jet because it's a late night flight, I guess. And, uh, yeah, that half hour flight. They're going to get that disease yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. That is uh, a good point. Man, uh, come on. Yeah, they're, they're all cocked out. And, uh, yeah, I would have never even closed my eyes. I'd have been like, okay, we're going to land and as soon as we take off, practically. Exactly. Uh, but uh, uh, we do pan and see that uh, Morgan is laid down, but he's having – his eyes are open. He's not sleeping. His eyes are open. Uh, and then we also see that uh, Reed isn't even lying down. He's just sitting in his chair, basically staring out into space. And Gideon never sleeps, so he's looking at Reed. <laughs> uh, he calls him over to him and says, shows him a photo in his wallet. And he says, uh, Reed, this is uh, Deborah Louise Addison, her husband, Tim. They're two kids who are eight and six years old. In 1985, so he's been working for BAU since 1985. That's at a least, long, yeah. mm -hmm. long time. Uh, well, 20 years for 2005. But anyway, uh, 
1985, Deborah was walking home from school. She was abducted. She was 13 years old at the time. We profiled the unsub and we were able to locate her before he harmed her. And every single year, she writes a letter to the BAU updating them on her life. And Rita's like, well, that's nice. But Gideon says, hey, look, we all have bad dreams. Everyone on the plane, we see the worst of humanity, the depths of depravity. We dream of monsters. So Reed says his dream, which is that there's a baby in the middle of a circle and there's someone on the other side, but he can't get to her before. And he sort of trails off. And and I'm just laying it out there in case we get something like that in the future. I want it to be known that he mentioned this dream in case there's some kind of closure on that besides this episode. But anyway, Gideon raises the picture and says, look, I, I look at this every night before I go to bed. It helps me to sleep thinking of all the victims we've saved. Uh, we don't always beat the monsters to the babies, but we do it enough to make the job worth it. He takes the photo basically out of his wallet and gives it to Reed, who looks at it and smiles and closes his eyes so he can go to sleep for the rest of this half hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he closes his eyes, falls asleep. Please return your tray tables to the upright position. We're about to start our descent. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not not your, not your best for me, for you, for me, dog. But I mean, it, was, it was fine, a fine episode. Like I said, the character stuff more so than necessarily the case stuff. But uh, you know, yeah. As long as as long as each case builds on on the character development or is really interesting, uh, right? You know, that, then I'm fine. If it's a, you can bet your first season, I give you, uh, you know, just. Hit, hit it 50% of the time, 50% of the stuff, 90% of the time, and you're good. Just trying to, try to avoid the double clinkers. Yeah, we got basically zero Garcia, so that was a, a, a negative for me. But uh, we did get really what I felt like was JJ's first moment of like, ah, yeah, go get him, JJ. So uh, happy for that. And then the continuing of uh, – Reed and Morgan's relationship. Yeah. Uh, that was good to see. So uh, I, uh, I, yeah, it was a middle of the road. Not a bad episode, though. Not no, a bad episode. Not bad at all. And, uh, you know, uh, as, as Gideon said, they don't always defeat the monsters. But so far, they're operating at six out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, well, I guess we'll get into that right now. Why uh, why don't we crack out the barometer and uh, ask ourselves, AJ, did they win? Yeah, we're coming into uh, episode 10 here with a record of 6, 1, and 2. 6 wins, 1 loss, 2 ties. And, well, I mean, there really wasn't a victim to save here. Um, you, you know, basically, you can assume that... that Cheris was dead from the get-go before they even landed, so the fact that they find her dead, can't put that on the BAU at all. Uh, they caught Corey when the town was never going to catch Corey, so like, it's not much of a win, but it's a win. Yeah, agreed. Not much they could really do. Yeah, that makes me now then go back. Yeah, it was a good thing they had the character stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, like interesting. You know, like Zizzo was such a, a dynamic character. It was fun, fun to watch. But 
really, yeah, not not a lot happened here. Then the unsub pretty much just walked right in and said, "Hi, I'm on the unsub." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Essentially, you know, thinking he could out 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 right. think them, and they're like, "Oh, oh, he's the unsub. Gotcha." <laughs> Right. So and then, and then they caught him. So you know, well, well done indeed. Well done. Excellent. So AJ, it is time for our little uh, quiz. Oh, quiz. Yeah, let's go on with a couple quizzes here. Now, like I said, not a lot happened in this episode. So rather than try to spin off of plot points, I'm going to give you my first two questions. Are going to be spun off on the fact that there was a character named Zizzo. <laughs> <laughs> so question number one. Who played a character named Zazu in 14 different episodes of Saturday Night Live? Who was this? I'm trying to remember who Zazu was. It sounds so familiar, but I think I'm thinking of The Lion King Probably. and not Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Zazu! Um, so because it's a character I think he would play, I'm going to say it was Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan is your answer. No, I'm sorry. Zazu was the Boston teen played by Rachel Dratch. Oh, Zazu, you, okay. you are. No, you are. No, you are. Okay. There's a uh, 0 for 1. But let's see if we can get you back on the uh, positive side with this one here. Question 2. Zizix Road. Zizix Road was a movie which made just $30 at the box office in the United States in the year 2006, not long after this episode aired. Uh, who starred in this piece of trash, which was filmed just prior to her breakout role on Grey's Anatomy? Oh, what is her name? I'm thinking of, uh, oh, uh, gosh. Uh... I'm going to say, I don't think this is who it is. I think it's actually the one who's on the show about the hit woman, who, that name I can't remember. But I'm, instead of saying her, I'm going to say uh, Catherine Heigl. Well, it is not Sandra Oh, who is the show of Killing Eve about the hit woman. Uh, yes. It is not Ellen Pompeo, who, of course, was a relative unknown before Grey's Anatomy. Most of the people in Grey's Anatomy were relative unknowns before Grey's Anatomy. Uh, is it indeed star of 27 Dresses, Catherine Heigl. Well done. Yeah, this movie made thirty dollars at the box office. Technically, technically, it made fifty, but uh, they 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 were trying to capitalize on the popularity of Catherine Heigl. They released it the year after Grey's Anatomy uh, came out, so it was filmed Uh. before. But they released it after, and they only released it in uh, one theater in the United States at noon for five days so that it would be eligible to be then for, you know, sent to overseas and they could claim it was released here first and it was a contractual thing. Uh, it made $50, yeah. but he had to refund $20 because the costume designer brought a friend and they went to a screening. <laughs> and he didn't want them paying for the film because they worked on it. So he, he gave uh, them back their money. He, he comped them after the fact. So it made only $30. It is uh, technically the lowest grossing film of all time. Uh, yeah, but wow. it, made, it it did make about $365,000 worldwide when all was said and done, okay. but it still lost a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So wow. not as bad as it could have been, but uh, not as bad for you either because you got, you got it right. Well done. All right. Before we get to our final question, I want to – I think it's time for another prediction. 
Yes, one of the things we do here on the show is to do the prediction game. And we've got a few predictions in the hopper. I'm not going to go over those just now. When we get to the revelation of the predictions, we will certainly keep tabs on them. But the last prediction that I had you do is I had you predict how many weddings you thought we would have over the course of the 15 seasons. Uh, now, we see a lot of death on this show. And like you said, in this episode, particularly, we didn't even stick around to uh, to wrap up the unsub and take him away. We didn't see that or anything of that. We didn't see Cherish's body taken care of. But from time to time, we are going to have funerals on this show. I want you to predict for me how many different funerals are we going to see on this show sticking to specifically funerals that someone of the main BAU cast is in attendance, either as, you know, a featured uh, mourner, uh, perhaps giving a speech about uh, the person who has passed on, or perhaps in the casket themselves. But uh, how many funerals are we going to see that involve uh, the BAU in some capacity? AJ, I'm going to take a crack at let's see i think one a season would be too many a little bit too many so uh and it lasted 16 seasons, seasons. So, yeah 15 seasons 15 uh, forgive me so i think i'm gonna go to just over half of that we're gonna have a funeral like every other year uh and say we're gonna have well, I'll add one to that. I'm, I'm going to say we're going to have nine funerals. Nine funerals. Okay, so uh, the famous movie Four Weddings and a Funeral. You believe that by the end of Criminal Minds, we're going to have 12 weddings and nine funerals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you put it like that, I'm uh, already regretful of that choice. We, sh- but yes. we shall see. There could be a run. <laughs> we got 15 seasons to get through, my <laughs> friend, and this one's not even over yet. Season one. Yeah. All right, well done. Thank you for that. We will see how that uh, tracks as we move along. Finally, my favorite trivia question of each week, where we simultaneously ask you a question and preview next week's episode. Dad, what is the plot of season one, episode 11, entitled Blood Hungry? Blood Hungry. Is it A? A secret cabal of vampires takes things a bit too realistically. Is it B? Lame burglaries and vicious murders confuse the BAU's efforts to profile. Is it C? The diner killer only murders waitresses with a particular blood type. But how does he know? Or is it D? Zookeepers discover three bodies in three different exhibits on the same night. Huh. You make them all sound so That's my job. It's what I do. Uh, I appreciate the the, uh, meritorious comments there. Mm -hmm. So... Blood Hungry. (laughs) I'm I'm saying it like it's a 70s exploitation movie. Blood hungry, blood hungry. Uh, excuse me, sorry. I'm gonna say blood hungry is. Uh, can you repeat option C? Option C That's is the one the I like. Killer. I believe only murders waitresses with a particular yes. blood type. But how does he know? 
Yeah, I I, I like Very that. Good. For blood blood hungry. hungry, blood types. Diners hungry makes perfect sense, which is why it is absolutely wrong. <laughs> uh, of course no, it is. No, I'm sorry. That is not correct at all. Correct answer here, sir. As much as I would like to see all of these myself. Uh, lame burglaries and vicious murders confuse the BAU's efforts to provide an accurate profile. It was a lot of work to even get that much out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I am looking forward to uh, that. Blood Hungry next next episode, folks. That is the end. We have come to the end of this episode of Felonious Pundits. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, If you had a, a great time, please be sure to subscribe to Rate, review our podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. All those good things. Spread the word. Let your friends know about us. Uh, you can also write to us if you have any questions or comments uh, at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at podcast underscore pundits. Podcast underscore pundits. Uh, for AJ Mass, this is Kintad Svensgaard saying goodbye. And keep profiling. Wheels up! I'm so good at sleeping, I can do it with my eyes closed. Anonymous.